0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. The men that the number one enemy that men face is apathy. If we're not careful, as aggressive as we are in sports, we are equally that apathetic at home. And so I challenged you that as godly men, we've got to step up and help our families, help our, our women, help our children make good, godly decisions. We've got to help them understand how to set good, godly priorities, and we've got to set guardrails or boundaries in our life. And so I challenged the men to do that, and that's what the Allies is about, and we're going to get together and help each other do that. And then last week I challenged the women that the number one enemy that women face is misalignment because we don't understand the concept of submission, and we think submission is a bad thing. And so we talked about that last week, that submission is not a bad thing, it's an, it's an alignment thing. It's not a freedom thing, it's an alignment thing. And as we submit, as women submit to their husbands, it produces the miraculous in the relationship. And so we talked about that, and I told our, our women that to, to, to be effective, you got to understand your man. More than just how to push their buttons, you got to understand your man. And then you also have to understand yourself. Remember who the most attractive women are? Those that understand themselves. They are the most attractive women out there. And so I encourage you to understand your man, understand yourself, and then to offer support. Your man will live up to what you say about him. See, I can't get no help this morning. I know it's early, but y'all stay with me. I'm going to move up so I can spit further. Uh maybe that'll keep you awake, right? You've got to support your man. You've got to offer support to your husband, to your children, and as you do that, they will live up to what you say about them. And then we went into Proverbs chapter 31, and I gave you a lifelong uh, homework assignment, which was to live up to Proverbs chapter 31, which is a tall order, but you can do it through the grace of God. And so this morning, I want us to look at working families. Uh, That's everybody, right? That's when you start talking about families, you say, Well, I'm not a I'm not a wife, I'm not a husband. Doesn't it, you know, that lets you off the hook, I guess, but not really, but today we get everybody, we get husbands, wives, children's, aunts, uncles, grandmas Black sheep, because there's always one black sheep in the family, you know. Uh, every, every, anybody, everybody's got a black sheep in the family. Raise your hand. If you are, don't raise it if you're the black sheep, all right? But, all right, you're feeling bad today. But this in, this involves everyone. So there's something you need to know about the family. You need to understand that family is God's concept. This was not man's idea family is God's concept. In fact, if you go back into the Old Testament and read, what you discover is that God almost always dealt with the nation of Israel as families, units, tribes, he broke them down into manageable manageable units, and he would speak to them uh, as a nation. But he would also speak specific words to tribes and to families. In fact, one of the greatest illustrations of that was kind of a negative illustration, but it was it shows us that was the the um, account of Achan. You remember Achan went into the city and, and when Jericho was destroyed, and he stole some of the loot and he put it in his tent and he's hiding, and they go face. Uh, this small army thinking that they're going to win and they're defeated and they, why? And God brings them tribe by tribe, family by family until he figures out who it was. He knew who it was, but the people had to figure out who it was that were was in sin. And so he shows us in a very glaring way that God deals with us as family. Now, you also need to know that God sees you as individuals, right? You do know that God is aware of you, right? Whether we're aware of Him or not, God knows where we are. In fact, He knows us so well. This one scares me sometimes. He knows us so well individually that He can count the number of hairs on your head. His job for me gets easier every week, right? Some of you all understand what I'm saying. Some of you will be there that just laughed because we're praying that on you, right? Uh, bears are coming out of the woods. and Okay, but, but He knows us so intimately that He knows everything about us. So he knows you individually, but, but the truth is this morning is even though he knows you so well individually, he also sees you in family units. That's why Joshua could stand up and say, as for me and my house, it's an individual speaking, and God saw him as an individual, but he saw also as a family unit. That's why one individual could stand up and make the declaration, the proclamation, that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You have that ability, even though you're an individual, to represent your family union uh, unit and, and make those kind of declarations to make that impact. And so the family... Is God's idea. Now, what that does is that speaks again, and we've talked about this in the past, but I'm going to keep hammering it until we get it. That speaks to our connectedness. There is no way that you can get a proper understanding of your biological family or your spiritual family without first understanding the concept of connectedness we are connected you are a part of a biological family yes but you are also part of a supernatural spiritual family and there is no way to be disconnected from that and not have implications in other words what you do at home impacts what happens at home but what you do in the spiritual family has implications for everybody else too you cannot come to this conclusion that you're an island and what you do doesn't matter. Everything you do impacts somebody. That is the concept of family. We are significantly linked together. So that's why it's so important to understand in the spiritual realm that we are connected. If I fall, it impacts you. If you fall, it impacts me. If I'm favored, it impacts you. If you're favored, it impacts me. That's why the Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. We are connected. We are linked. There's no way to separate that. That is also true in the natural. That's why it's so important for dads and moms and kids and uncles and aunts and grandparents to understand that what you do, what choices you make, the way you live your life has direct implications for the rest of your family. Amen. Anybody ever experienced that? Right, whatever choices you, your family members make impacts you directly. And so it's out of that connectedness that God speaks to the Israelites and he gives them some very key instructions about their home that I want us to look at. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it will be on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read several portions, verses 1 and 2. And verses 5 through 9, listen to what Moses says. Moses is coming down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. He's delivered the Ten Commandments. He's read them to the children of Israel. And then he gives them very explicit instructions about their family. This is what he says. He says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. By the way, as a side note here, I know the New Testament, in the New Testament, the Bible says, kids, obey your parents so that you can have a long life. But just because you have a long life doesn't mean you enjoy that long life. Enjoying the long life that you obtain through obedience comes out to your parents, only comes as not only you obey your parents, the ability to enjoy that long life now comes from obeying God. Notice there's a connection there. It's not enough just to obey your parents. You also have to obey God because you're going to be around a long time, right? And so this is what he says. He says, so that you may enjoy long life. Now, listen, then he goes on in verse 5, and he says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Out of the Message Bible, it reads like this. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. I just want you to know this morning that I believe that the instructions that Moses gave the children of Israel that day for families is still relevant for families today. I I just think that... It, they are applicable to where we live. So let me teach you about three or four things out of this passage that I want to, I think will help us be better as families. The first one is this. The family's number one enemy is nearsightedness. Nearsighted. The, the, the number one thing that I think we face as families is we get wrapped up in what is happening now and we, we become so nearsighted that we have no long-term view of what God is trying to accomplish through our families. Therefore, what happens is is we refuse to take stock of right now in light of tomorrow. How many of you have seen families forfeit tomorrow by the decisions they make today? They're nearsighted. You need to understand that God has a view of your family. And although he has a view of what's going on in your family right now, he also has a farsighted view of your family. And he has plans and dreams and purposes for your family down the road. And if you get so wrapped up in today, you will miss what God has got for your family tomorrow. This is an important lesson. If we continue to allow what happens right now to take precedent in our life, we will forget to make plans and lay foundations for what God wants to accomplish in our families ten years from now. There's this connectedness. I want you to see this. Notice the power of generations here. The Bible says that he gives them instructions so that the parents and then the children and the children's children will remain in, in line and in communication with God. That is a generational concept that we fail to grasp. And so what God is revealing to us is that he understands that what you do right now has implications for the future. And so I think too many of us deal with our families with an eye on now and forget that what we are doing right now lays a foundation for generations to come. That's why you got to make the right decisions now. That's why you got to make the right choices now. That's why you got to worship now. That's why you got to give now. That's why you got to obey now. That's why you have got to set boundaries now. That's why you got to set traditions now. Because what you do now has direct significance for what will happen in the future. And I see family after family after family only making choices for now. That's why a family, a mom and dad can make decisions like to run up unbelievable debt and never give it a second thought, not realizing that they curse their children in the future, not because necessarily their children will have the same or carry their debt, but their children are learning that it's okay to live in debt and you are setting precedent for your family that will rule their life from now on and your children's children will live the way you live. So what I want to say to you this day is this. Dad, if you want your son's son to treat his wife with respect, then you better treat your wife with respect. It's quiet in here this morning. I know know it's early. But stay with me this morning. Mama, if you want your daughter's daughter to refuse to allow a man to mistreat her, then you better find a man right now, your husband, and and get with him and change the way you live so that your daughter's daughter won't be cursed with the same dilemma you find yourself in right now. The choices that you make as mom and dad not only significantly impact your children now, but you are setting the course, the pace for future generations And there are some of you that need to go back and break addictions and curses and habits and traditions that were established in generations previous to yours. And you have the authority, you have the power to change course and set a different course for your children's children. You've got to think beyond now. We have generational impact. Don't become a prisoner of now to the destruction of later. You have got to get God's view of your family and understand that he knows what you're going through now, but he has plans for you later. And what you do now matters. That's why the argument that you had this week, you got to resolve it. I'm getting right in where you live now. you got to resolve it now because if you don't, it will have implications later. How many of you have lived through that? Right, that's no fun. You know that. This is not earth-shaking news. We're just too nearsighted. I want a car now, but what will that do to your family later? i got to have new clothes now. What will that do to your family later? I'm going to buy this new house even though I can't afford it. What will that do to your family later? We're going to argue and fight it out every day of the week from now on. What will that do to your family? We're not going to talk anymore. We don't like each other anymore. What? I'm going to leave my spot. What will that do? your family long sight you got to get past nearsighted it's the number one enemy we face we think it's all about right now the second thing I would say to you is this is this working families work because the parents know that everything flows down are you with me everything flows down Moses reveals an important truth listen to what he says he basically says this in the message Bible it reads it reads like this it says, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. In other words, what Moses was saying was this. You have to get something in you before you can get it into somebody else. In other words, let me say this to your parents. You can't take your family somewhere you've never been. You have got to understand that everything flows down. You cannot get it into your kids if it's not into you first. If if you've ever had to say this, here we go, I'm going to get right with you somewhere where you live. If you've ever had to make this statement, then you don't understand your homework. Do as I say, not what I do. Then you don't understand the concept that everything flows down. And they are not going to do what you say. They are going to do what you do. And therefore, you've got to come to this place that you understand that if you want your kids and your kids' kids to have a love for God, then they have got to be able to see a love for God in you first. And if you want your kids' kids to love the Word of God, then you have first got to love the Word of God. And if you want your kids to worship, then guess who's got to worship first? And if you want your kids to be generous, guess who's got to be generous first? If you want your kids to be faithful, guess who's got to be faithful first? If you want your kids to be obedient, and we all do, then you've got to be obedient first. You cannot take someone where you have not been. Everything flows down. And so we've got to understand that a controlled tongue has to start in the parents first and self-control has to start in the parents first. It flows down. So here it is. If you want your kids to be better than you, how many of you want your kids to be better than you? Can I, t- can I give you the secret how that happens? you got to be better than you. you got to grow and mature in your faith to, to, so that you are growing and growing gaining ground and becoming better in your walk with Christ and better in the way you live your life so that your kids can go to a higher level because your kids will only go where you've been. Everything flows down. The Bible says that Moses' instruction says this, Impress on your children. Notice he didn't say impress your children. I think too many of us get caught up in that, that we want to impress our kids. We want to be our kids' best friends and best buds. You are not to call you are not called to be their best friend. You're called to be their parent. And you cannot live your life in an attempt to impress your kids. The Bible says that we're to impress on our kids. By the way, just if you didn't know, our culture is trying to impress on our kids. And if we don't impress on our kids, our culture will impress on our kids. And they won't live like us. They won't believe like us. They won't go where we've been if we don't impress on our kids what we believe. That term there is an interesting term because that, that, that phrase impress on carries the meaning to hone. You know, when you take a knife and you hone its edge, it has the implications of doubling up. To go over and over and over again to secure an edge, that's what it means when you say to impress on, I'm going over and over and over again so I can impress on that, that that edge. I want to get a sharp edge and so I just want to say to you that our kids need a repeat performance of faithfulness. Our kids need a repeat performance of obedience. Our kids need to see us be diligent time and time again not just when it's convenient not when it's comfortable not when God is blessing us and everything's coming up roses when everything's going bad when everything is breaking down they need to see some parents that are still faithful and still obedient and still give and are still diligent in their walk when they shouldn't be when we give them a repeat performance it will impress on them that we actually believe what we say we believe what's flowing down in your house There is something flowing in your house. What flows down in your house? Everything flows down. The third thing is this, working families sound different. Moses is very clear that a working family will sound completely different. Notice what he does. He dictates the sound of their home to them. He says, if you are going to have a healthy home, if you're going to have a home that works, then your home is going to sound different than all the other homes. He actually lays out their dialogue for them. Let me, let me see if you heard it. He says, talk about the commands that I've given you wherever you are. Sitting at home, walking in the street, talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. I want to know something. How many of us, if people could, could you know tap our house like if they could put little bugs all over the house, how many of them would hear the fact that in our house we talk about God? The truth is is that many of us in our homes, the only time they hear about God is when we're mad. Come on now. That's the only time they hear any dialogue. Many of us go a full week. Our children, our families hear about God on Sunday. They don't hear about God again until next Sunday. It's the only time we expose them, to, expose them to any God talk is on Sunday. And what Moses is saying is, is saying that, listen, you should be talking about God all the time. You should be talking about his word. You should be talking about his commands. When you're going down the road, when you're in your home sitting down, when you're awake first thing up in the morning, last thing at night, somewhere in that mix they should be hearing about God. Moses apparently understood a valuable lesson that I want you to catch this morning. You might want to. Write this down. I think it's a profound revelation. Moses understood that frequency relates and reveals fervency. That was good. I came up with that. I'm proud. That's a good statement there. Frequency relates and reveals fervency. In other words, if if your kids don't hear you talking about God, it reveals to them your fervency level about God. In other words, if your kids don't hear you talking about God, they will know that it doesn't matter what you say on Sunday. If they don't hear you talk about God at some point during the week, they will understand that God is relegated only to Sunday, and the rest of your life is your own. How many of us talk to our kids more about sports and grades and guys and girls and cars and clothes than we do about God? You have to establish the foundation of dialogue in your home. What you talk about matters. Did you know that some of your kids think that the lake is the most important thing in your life because it's all they ever hear you talk about? Do you know that some of your kids think that the most important thing in your life is your business because that's all they ever hear you talk about? Some of your kids think that their, your car is more important than them and more important than God because that's all they ever hear you talk about. Some of your kids actually think OU football or OSU football is the most important thing in your life because it's all they ever hear you talk about. They see it on your Facebook. They get it in your text. They watch you watch it, and you never talk to them about God, ever. Did you know that the average American father only spends three and a half minutes of meaningful dialogue with their children a week? meaningful that means all the other time he's talking about football and cars and clothes and businesses then what are your kids to think they're to think that the most important thing in your life is all this other stuff and what I'm saying to you is that our kids and our families will determine how important God is in their lives by how much they hear us talk about him Sunday morning is not enough Woody can't talk about enough, uh, God enough on Wednesday to override your lack of discussion about God the rest of the week. What are you talking about? What you talk about influences your family's future. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Working families never escape the word. Our homes are to be marked by God's word. In fact, Moses comes out and says, put the word on the door frame. In other words, what he's saying, the word is so significant in your home that it's the first thing they see when they come in and it's the last thing they see when they go out think about that a moment I'm not telling you to go home although it wouldn't bother me I go home I'm not saying go home and buy some paint and write scripture all over your door That's not. wouldn't bother me any it would probably do some of our homes some good but the concept the principle is this that our homes are so marked by the word that it's the very first thing that our kids come to grips with they love the word it's the last thing they recognize when they're leaving they're so surrounded by the word of God that they recognize that we love the word of God we obey the word of God and we put a high priority on the Word of God, it influences them. What are your kids being influenced by? What's the first thing that impresses on them when they walk into your home? Is it anger? Is it bickering? Is it frustration? Is it chaos? Is it it rumblings? Or is it the peace of God, the Word of God, the presence of God? And the only way you can do that is if you mark your home with His Word. I think that too many of our homes are Marked more by cable content than it is by covenant content. That's all they're impressed with when they walk in. and They, they come in and it's on and, and I'm not against TV, but that's the only influence in their life and they never see their parents digesting the word of God and loving the word of God. And then we wonder why they break covenant. The Bible says that we are to hide the word of god in our hearts to the degree that it keeps us from sinning i wonder if so, so many of our kids and so many of our family members are falling into sin because there's no hiding of the word all we do is we hear the word on sunday we never hide the word throughout the rest of the week and therefore we fall away from what we know to live not only that our families are so to be so shrouded by the word of god that in moses's day they would actually tie scripture to them they would tie it to their forehead i'm not asking you to tie scripture to your kid's forehead because they would be picked on relentlessly at school and that's not right to do i don't want you to set your kids up to be picked on don't go home now and find something and tie it to your kid's head i will make fun of your kid if they walk in and there's something tied to their forehead come on get a grip what he's saying is that you so impress on them the word of god that it, it it dictates how your kids think. Listen, you're, I'm thankful for our children's ministry. I'm thankful for our youth ministry and our college ministry. But the reality is, is they don't have them long enough to dictate how they think. It's on, That's only icing. They can only build on what you lay the foundation for in your home. You've got to so mark your kids by, by the word of God that everywhere they go, they think the word of God. That's a tall order. But then it says to tie the Word of God to the wrists so that what they do is impacted by the Word. They won't do things they know they're not supposed to do, not because you said, I will ground you if you do this but because when they reach out to do it they will be so convicted by the word of God that you've established that the boundaries and the parameters for their life are set and they'll go I can't do that that's so so diametrically opposed to the word of God that I cannot touch that I recognize that God sees and God understands and I've been taught better than that so mark your homes by the word of God that it dictates how we think and how we act research shows that our kids don't have morals anymore that's not the school's fault It's not TV's fault. It's not music's fault. It's family's fault. We have failed to mark our children and our families so significantly with the word of God that now our children are going, there are no absolutes, there's no black or white, there's no wrong or right, it's just what makes me feel good. That would have never happened if families would have marked their their homes with the word of God to the place that it's the first thing they feel influenced when they walk in and it's the last thing they're marked by when they leave and it so surrounds their life that they know how to live and they know what's right and they know what's wrong. Your home will be marked by something. I want to say this to you, and I hope you catch this, that God has to be as real at home as he is at church. It's not enough for you to get in here and experience and encounter the presence of God if you don't have that same encounter at home. Your kids ought to be able to sense the presence of God from the time they wake up until the time they go to bed. And there ought to be a significant encounter with God in your living room and in your kitchen and in your bathroom and in your family room and in your den and in your dining room. There has to be that reality that God is not only real at church, and we're going to talk about him then, but there has to be this ongoing dialogue and ongoing relationship and encounter with him at home. That adjusts how we live. Your kids are going to be marked by something. It better be by the word of God. So here's your homework today. Let me give you some family homework to get you through this week. Hope you've been doing your homework. Here's your homework this week. Your homework this week is to talk about God things. Stop talking about football long enough to ask your kids, Do you know Jesus? Some of you have been praying, man, I hope my kid gets saved at youth group. Why don't you get them saved at home? I hope the children's church workers listening to God today and can say something to my kids. No, you say something to your kids. Talk to your kids about God. That's your homework this week. Talk about God things. Here's here's one that we don't do. We don't even do this very well. Sit at the table. Eat together. Turn the TV off. And talk about God things. How about this one? On the way to work or on the way to school, talk about God things. Uh, There's a, a Time article that was written not too long ago that said this. Listen to this. I think this is profound. It says, often the richest conversations, the moments of genuine intimacy, take place somewhere else, in the car. On the way back from soccer at dusk, when the low light and the lack of eye contact allows secrets to surface. you got to find those moments in your family, husbands, wives, you got to find those moments where you can have intimate dialogue about what God is doing in your home. When's the last time you talked to your husband and wife and said, this is what I think God is saying to us. This is where I sense God is leading us. This is what God wants to do with our family. With an eye to the future, we've got to make the decisions right now that will get us to the future. When's the last time you had that kind of discussion? When's the last time you had a genuine, intimate conversation with your kids about not about how they did it, basketball or football or math or English or What their girlfriend said or what their boyfriend said or what new clothes? they... When's the last time you looked at your child and said, hey, how is your relationship with Jesus? What have you been reading in his word? What are you sensing God saying about your future? Who do you want to be when you grow up? And what is God saying that he wants you to become in your future? That's your homework. That will change your family that will mark your marriage, that will mark your children, that will set foundations for your future from this point forward. Everything flows down. you got to know that this morning. Tall, hard, uncomfortable homework. Why is it so uncomfortable for us to talk anymore? Are we too busy? I know people that will sit in the same room and Facebook each other. Seriously. Same house. We've done this when we're too lazy to get up. I'm in the living room. She's in the bedroom. Text. Can you do? Talk. Funny illustration, but it's a reality of how we live our our lives and our children are being parented and our families are falling apart. Because there's no marking being done by the word of God. God explicitly says, mark your home and your kids with his word. I want my kids to know the word. I feel like I know the word. You know why I know the word? Because my parents marked me with the word. And I want my kids to know more word than I know. My kids know we. My kids know PS3. And my kids know Facebook, and my kids know, actually they don't. I won't let them on Facebook. They know iPads and iPods and I everything. But the one thing I really want them to know more than anything is I want them to know and understand the word of God and understand that it will set the pace for their life and keep them when everything else falls apart. That's our job as parents. That's our job as families. I want you to stand with me this morning. Over the course of the last two weeks i've the first week I had men come down. last week, I had ladies come down. this morning, what I want us to do is I want you to get with your family. Now, some of you are single, and I understand that you don't have any family here. I want you to make yourself a family, just adopt somebody. man, you look, I'd like to have you as part of my family. I, I just adopt you right now, you're part of my family, and I want us to get together in family units tell? and I want us to pray for our families. Husbands, if you're here, I want you to lead it. If not, Mama, you do it. We want to mark our families with the presence of God and make sure that our children are marked. Father, this morning, we understand that you see us not only individually, you see us as families. You see this church as a family. Father, we just pray that you would mark our families with the word of God. Father, we recognize this morning as moms and dads, that we cannot expect our children to go where we have not been. We understand that everything flows down and we understand that it is absolutely imperative that we have we that we battle against nearsightedness and we don't make decisions that have implications now and we forget about the implications later. God, I pray that you would enable us, empower us as men and women of God to get the right perspective about our homes. Let us see what you see. Show us our future. Show us what we need to do to lay the foundations for our children, generations upon generations to come. God, I pray that we would make the right choices now. For those that are single in the room, I pray that you would allow them to make the right choices now and set the right boundaries now that would cause their children's children to be blessed. Father, I pray that you would allow us to know your word. That our homes would become shrouded in your word. That your word would be so prominent in our homes that it would influence our children from the moment they wake up till the moment they go to bed. They would learn your word, understand that we place a high priority in your word, and they would live up to your word. And we would show them that by living it out ourselves. We wouldn't ask them to do something we're not doing. We would model for them your word, and it would mark them in a significant way. God, I pray your favor and your protection on our homes. I pray that our children and their children would be marked by your word for generations to come. And when all of society is breaking down and when all of society is casting off restraint and when all of society doesn't know what it believes, I pray that in Jesus' name our children's children will stand strong on the word of God and they will be marked by morality and they will know who they are in you and they will live uprightly. And righteously for generations to come. We break every curse. We break every addiction. We break every habit. We break every foundational thing in our lives that would cause our children to be marked by those things. And we say that as for us and our home, our children's children, we will serve The Lord. we say that as a body this morning father we say that as a family we will choose to serve you as a body we choose to operate on what you say and what is right in your eyes alone we bless every family represented here today God I pray your favor and your blessings on them and I ask that you would supernaturally impart strength to family units today if they need to change course I know it's hard work and it's painful then, God, I pray that you'd give moms and dads the strength to make the right choices and decisions today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.